This season is sponsored by Future Farm, the revolutionary meatless meat food company from Brazil. They're cooking up products which can match and exceed our juicy meaty favourites on taste, texture and sizzling flavour using only 100% natural ingredients. My favourite? There's too much choice. But if I had to choose, hands down, it would be the future meatballs and future mints in my classic lasagna dish. And get this, they're standing up for some pretty big things too, like reclaiming the Amazon rainforest back by fostering the movement towards GMO-free and deforestation-free products in place of those that are unethical and illegal. Definitely not just another plant-based brand, hey? Very up my street. The full Future Farm range is available now at Sainsbury's. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, industry insiders, and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by Fat Tony. He has provided the soundtrack to the celebrity and party scene as the go-to DJ for over 35 years. He has played for everyone, from the Beckhams to Donatella Versace, his good friend Kate Moss to Prince. If he ain't at your party, then it ain't a real party, I say. I've known Tony for a while now through my photography career, so it gives me great joy to welcome him on. Tony's life has had some twists and turns. He openly speaks about his drug addiction, which spanned from his teens to later life. He has estimated that he spent over £1 million on drugs whilst he was using. He is now sober, still at the height of his career, and probably has the funniest Instagram account ever. In fact, you may know him as the meme maestro on the platform. I'm intrigued to find out about his relationship with food through what has been an incredibly colourful life. Tony, thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Seriously, (laughs) I really am. When you were reading out that stuff, that stuff used to, when people read out things about me in the past, you know, like, for this person, I would cringe and I used to cringe and I don't cringe anymore. You should. I, I, I got to the point where I accept it as love and you know, I shouldn't be ashamed of what I, you know, I, I, I'm one of these people that can t- catastrophize everything in the sense that you know, when you're an addict and you work with yourself, self love, when you start to love yourself, then you can take on other people's love. And it takes it took a long time to get there, but thank you. No, yeah. you're more than welcome. I mean, it's kind of like we've been conditioned to not be able to accept a compliment. Because that was yeah. like a compliment. That was me yeah. talking about some of the amazing things you've achieved. But, but for me, you know, if you tell me you hate me, I'll take you on holiday. If you tell me you love me, I'm going to run away. <laughs> you know, that's that's yeah. always the way it's been. And and now, it just now that I'm fit, coming up to just over 14 and a half years of drug and alcohol-free, you know, uh, it's I, that I, you know. It's taken a lot of work to get to that point of self self loving and, and and allowing other people to love mine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a big thing. It really is. So, how are you? I mean, I know we had a bit. Of, am... We had a bit of a chat and a rant before we started recording, but that's okay. We needed to get that out the way. <laughs> you know what? I'm really good. I'm really good in so many respects. I, you know, um, life today is pretty pretty good. You know, it's the sun shining, so that makes me shine. And you know. Uh, I've just given up sugar, which is a good thing to talk about on this. So I'm on day seven today of no sugar, no carbs, um, and I'm feeling great. 
I'm feeling really good. I've gone past the headache stage. Okay. And why did you do that? Because I was just, you know, listen, as I said, you know, I'm an addict. So if I have one cream cake or a 30, and that's the way it was with bars of chocolate. And, you know, and then the weekend before last, I did a big gig. And I've done a gig every weekend, I'm at. But anyway, the last week, and I drank at least 12 cans of Coke. And I was, wow. I was off my tits. I was flying. And I had such a severe come down from it the next day that I just thought, no, no, no. What are you doing? You're going to end up with diabetes. So I just stopped. And, and all it takes is me to see the dodge, a dodgy photo of myself with a beer gut again, or we moved, and that's it. It changes. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, in, I'm all right about it today. Yeah. I, um, ha- have you been feeling angry and like irritable? Oh, what do you think? I'm angry and irritable at the best of times. That's me happy. Uh, no, I, I've gone through the ups and downs, but I, I, I recognise it for what it is this time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the last time I went on a keto diet, I it lost like two and a half stone oh, in, wow. in two and a half months. So it really works for me. But you know, it's, it's like any of those diets; it's not it's not sustainable. You know, but it's, but it's also quite good to just sort of do it for a bit and then slowly introduce things back at like a nice yeah. moderate level. At a moderate level, yeah. But for me, I always go all in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if I, you know, balls deep with chocolate, as I would always mm. say. It's a nightmare. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough. Did you have breakfast today? Yes, I did. What did you have? I had an omelette. I had a cheese and mushroom omelette. Like I have, I normally have scrambled eggs and smoked salmon from the deli at the end of my road, or I go to the other deli and I have an omelette. She makes Lovely. it amazing. Nice. So I start every day with an omelette with my eggs and cheese and protein. So that kind of puts me in a right frame of mind. I look Lovely. forward. And you, you just mentioned you were DJing um, last weekend and you have sort of slowly started doing a few more events. And I know that obviously during lockdown, you were doing a lot of stuff like on Instagram and whatnot. How does it feel to be out DJing again? And are we going to be partying soon? Well, you know, to, uh, just to be back doing what I love doing and just to feel energy. Because mm-hmm. all through lockdown, I was DJing to two, two palm trees in the yucca in my back garden. Although, you know, those... Those sets went out to millions of people, which is, is incredible. But at the same time, my job, I thrive off of energy. I read a crowd. I can't read two palm trees in a yucca. Yeah. I don't get that same energy. So for me, just to be in front of a live audience, that I'm meant to be sitting down. But it's got to the stage where people, you can no longer tell people to sit down. They're, no. just, they're going to do what they want to do. And it's really hard for everybody to keep saying, please sit down, please sit down. We've got to the stage now where people don't want to sit down. They don't want to listen anymore. You know, they've been mm. back there or whatever. They've got to the stage where they've had enough. But just to be in front of that audience, we did night towels, two set-up gigs at night towels. We did one in the daytime, which was, for me, probably one of the best gigs in years because the energy in that place, the whole place was, I did a four-hour set, the whole place was on that journey with me. It made me cry. It, it made me cry twice because it was just like, it was just everything. It was absolutely everything, and it was, you know, a long time coming yeah. because you know, we've been locked up for so long, and just the energy was there. And I just thought, okay, this is a test of what's coming. Absolutely. And you know, I just really think that, yeah, the sooner we, we the world starts to dance, is, is, a lot of our problems will go away. That we're not going to get more problems from dancing. Couldn't agree more. Well, fingers crossed. 
And you know, but what people forget is that they can dance at home. They but it's not the same. It's, it's not, not the same. same. I've been dancing in my living room for 16 months, Tony. I'm done. I want to be on a dance floor. Yeah, I agree right? with you. I want to be, I want to be sweaty, dance, like, do you know what I mean? With no care in the world. That's what I want. Yeah, and you know, we posted videos of of, our, of a few of our parties and we took them down because we were getting so much stick from people. Oh, like, really? oh my God, wear their masks. Oh, wear, mind your own business. <laughs> Seriously, do you know what I mean? Get a job working on Good Morning Britain. Yeah. That, that do you know what I mean? Seriously, wear their masks. Why are they not social distancing? Why are you, oh. why are you making it your business? Well, you don't, you don't follow. End of story. Why? Moving swiftly on before we all get cancelled. Um, I want to take it back to your childhood a bit. I want to yeah. know what life was like growing up. You know, where were you Where were you born and raised? Who was cooking? Who was, you know, what were you eating? What uh, food was on the table? Like, give me the story. I, uh, I, I was born in Pimlico, but grew up in Battersea. Um, from, so we, we moved to Battersea when I was like seven, I think, or eight. And the house of Batsy. My mum was always the cook. My dad made the best chips in the world. Nice. He would like he would peel the potatoes and make chunky chips. He made the best chips with loads of salt and vinegar. We would beg him to make those chips. My mum made a really good rice pudding. She made a great Vesta curry. <laughs> hydrated curry. You know, she um my mum my mum was the best cook. You know, the roast dinners were always incredible at the weekends. It was a big thing in our house to have a Sunday roast. It really was. Uh, so we were brought up on that kind of method. And, you know, my mum my loved making a stew. I hate stew. I've never liked stew. Yeah. I've never... I went in through phases of being a vegetarian, being vegan, then kind of, like, used the vegan excuse for all that the whole time I was using because I didn't eat. So I used to say, I'm sorry, I'm vegan anyway. Just like, you know. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so my mum was always good with food. Uh, and then I kind of, you know, when I got to about 13, 14, circumstances happened at the time, and then I turned to food. Food become probably my second addiction. You know, uh, yeah, at that, at that age. So I turned to food, and that's where the name came from, Fat Tony. So I got really fat really quick. Uh, I was going to yeah. ask you about that. Yeah, it was a shield. You know, I got, uh, it was, you know, um, yeah, as I say, circumstances happened, and and I, and I, I, I got fat as like a, a barrier to, for no one ever to come near me. And, mm. you know, and that kind of stayed around for about three or three years, I think I was a big. And then I lost the weight. You know, uh, the name came from people, which Tony had Tony. And I just owned that name. I thought, all right, well, that's my name. I'm going to own it. Do you get what I mean? And, and mm. it's stuck ever since. Now, if I had a pound for everyone that says, why are you called Fat Tony? You're not fat. Do you know what I mean? I was this billionaire. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, and so was food quite important growing up and like in your household, or was it kind of just like a means to to get food no, into the body? It was it was it was very important, you know. I, I you know, my I come from a family of like, we, if we didn't eat our dinner, we weren't allowed to leave the table. Mm, same. And that was a real rule with us. And my mum would make us eat spinach and she'd make us eat kale, she'd make us eat cabbage, you know, and, and we weren't allowed to leave the table until we ate it. Thankfully, we had a dog that we could pass the food under the table to. Do you know what I mean? When no one was looking, but... Standard, yeah. Of course, we all go through that. <laughs> you know, food was a real important thing, you know. And as I say, Sundays were like the most important day. So it would it would be a fry up in the morning. 
followed by a roast dinner about two o'clock. Then tea time would come, and that was my favourite. Tea time was always my favourite on a Sunday because my nan would come or my other nana, and we'd my 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 dad would make uh, egg and tomato sandwiches with like freshly boiled eggs and like loads of salt. And they, I mean, that that you couldn't touch them, you know what I mean? And then there'd be cake to follow, and it was just food. It was you know, it was everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, listen. As I mentioned in the in the intro, you're you're very open talking about your drug addiction and sort of what took over your life, I guess, in a way. What were those early days like? I mean, what at what age did you start using drugs? Uh, so, first of all, it was alcohol. Right. Alcohol about, around about the age of fifteen. I, I got a job working in the King's Road and we'd all go to the Chelsea Potter pub after work and I would start drinking there and I was always the last one to, to leave the pub. And then from there, it, 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 I, went, I moved from, from working in the King's Road into working in clubs and the alcohol intake went up. And then I would say about 17, 18, that's when the real drug problem started. It wasn't a problem, it was partying. Yeah. But, you know, that's when it kind of like got a grip. I, you know, I, as I say, I, I, as soon as I try something, whether it be sushi, I have to have it every night. Mm-hmm. And at this time, were you wanting to get into music? Like, did you know you wanted to be a DJ? You know what? I grew up with music. My grandmother was a pianist. My, uh, um, my brothers loved, my older brother loved Lovers Rock and, and early soul records and early disco. Uh, so uh, music was a really big part. We would wake up on a Sunday, and my dad would be playing Elvis and Roy Orbison and Jim Reeves and all of those type of tunes. So music was a really big thing in our house. My dad always had to have the brand new stereo, the biggest, the biggest, newest equipment. So growing up around music, it was always not, it was always there, but it was never something that I actually thought, okay, I'm going to be a DJ when I grow up. I'd done it a few, like, like I remember my first my first and only ever girlfriend. I DJed at, her, DJed at a party when we split up just to annoy her. Um, but, you know, it was like I never, ever wanted to... I never, ever wanted to be anything apart from mm. just enjoying myself. That was mm. the problem. Mm. When, when I started working on the door of a club at the Lyceum, which was run by Rusty Egan and Steve Strain, yeah. uh, they... It was called The Playground, and I would complain about the music every week just as they could complain and they said to me, look, Rusty said one week, if you can do better, why don't you do it? So next week I trotted up with four records. And that was it. That was it. That was the start of my career. Um, you know, it it was a way and means to, in, to go to more nightclubs. Mm. It was a way and means to express myself. And, you know, my love of music just, I always, always felt the music I didn't just listen to it I felt it do you know anything I don't have people always go oh, what type of music do you listen to I listen to all music yeah all music I'm very eclectic in, within my taste and style I think that there's something for everyone with music and it's Absolutely. somebody else's journey and you know what I mean it's like you know, I don't get it when DJs say I only play this or I only play that and I just think you're not a DJ yeah yeah. yeah no I completely agree with that I mean, sort of taking it back to the food. I mean, there. I guess there's something quite ironic talking about food whilst we're talking about like drugs. <laughs> but you know, always up for the challenge. But what was your relationship like with food 
whilst you were using or was there just no relationship at all? I know you mentioned that you tell people that you were vegan, but, you know, what was, what were you eating? Uh, I was eating, literally, I would, uh, first of all, I, I, I kind of, like, first few years, I, I, I ate burgers and all that rubbish, you know, that's when I got fat because I got fat for reason. Then after that, I went on a really good diet at the time and I lost all that weight. I shed that weight. I lost the weight through dieting and through change of diet not through drugs. And then, of course, the drugs came later. So the days that I would eat, I mean, I would, you know, there was a lot of stodge going on, you know, like spaghetti carbonaras and pizzas. And, you know, and then I'd go through these phases of like, okay, I'm vegan again. And then I would only eat, you know. And back then, being vegan was really, really not a good thing. I was going to say, you're, you were very ahead of your time. There was an awful <laughs> lot of brown food. <laughs> An awful lot of brown food and awful. I remember when, you know, you, we would go to uh, places. There was um, food for thought in uh, in Covent Garden. I know that place. Yeah, yeah. The thing about it was that, that they made a really good apple crumble. The rest of it was just like, oh my god, why am yeah. I eating this? Yeah. You know, I had a problem with everything. <laughs> That's so funny. God, but, I, I think that was the first vegetarian place I ever yes, went to years it really ago. Was. Yeah. Oh, Down still... yeah. yeah, 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 in the basement. Yeah, yeah, in the basement, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right in the middle of the garden. And then, of course, you had Neil's yard, which was yeah. all very hippified, you know. Mm-hmm. You know? But, yeah, I, I, I go through phases. It's really weird. I've just started eating meat again after three years of not oh. eating meat again. Oh, wow. Okay. And how are you finding that? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. You know, like, I was at a festival the other day, um, on Friday, and I was backstage, and they had burgers which I wouldn't eat. But like they had, they, you said I've got steak and salad. And I was like, I love that. And the next minute, I was eating steak. But I kind of just with the keto thing, I need to get this right. And you know, uh, I don't know. I'll probably stop eating meat again soon. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I have a problem with that. Do you know what I mean? I really do. I, I, I for me, it was the reason I stopped eating it was because I couldn't eat anything that had a soul in that sense, do you know what I mean? That I, something that I'd lived and, you know, for me, I just couldn't go through that. And I just thought, well, I've been given a second chance at life, so I shouldn't, take, shouldn't be eating someone else's mm. life. I mean, mm. so when I think about then say that stuff, that makes me think I shouldn't eat it again. But, you know, right now, I'm just need, it's a matter of necessity within the diet that I'm on. Absolutely. I just eat fish every night. Oh, so you do eat fish? So you were eating fish? I've been a pescatarian for the last four years. Fine. Okay. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah. Then I gave up meat. I was, I was, I, you know, I'd have the occasional bit of meat here and there, and then I gave it up literally three years ago. Yeah. And then started again about a week ago. Well, welcome to the dark side. I know, right? <laughs> All or nothing. It, of course, of course. I mean, sort of just like that, lastly, kind of touching on this, um, you know, at the height of your addiction, how were you sustaining your career? Obviously, it comes part and parcel, DJing, partying, you know, the whole scene, you know, it all, you know, it all links and comes together. But like, you know, you were sort of creating quite a name for yourself at that, you know, during all of this. Were you just kind of just sort of like, sort of, I guess, living at like a very different frequency? Yes, just- I mean, all my friends had suddenly become the biggest stars in the world. Mm. You know, and I was like, 
you know, I was the, the, on the same sort, not the shirt tails of them, but I was doing what I was doing. Mm. And they tried, our world's always crossed. So for me, you know, I, I didn't look at it as fame or, or, or success. I looked at it as how many more parties I was going to and how much more money I was earning. And, you know, um, as I said at the beginning of this, you know, I always struggled with people telling me I, I, they love this and they love what I do. I used to fight it. Uh, so I, I spent the whole time of the first time around of being successful fighting it. I had no tools to deal with being successful. I, I only, I was on a, a path of destruction. I wasn't on a path for success. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard thing to do is when you're in the grips of addiction is actually to, to realize where you're at. Do you know what I mean? And success, it, it was a way and means to, to get more and mm. do more. Mm. What has been your career highlight? It hasn't happened yet. Interesting. Because for me, you know, there's been so, so, so many. You know, I've been writing a book and it comes out in March. With, um, it's called I Don't Take Requests and it's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. God, DJs just hate a request, hey? Well, it's not even about DJing. It's just about requests in life. <laughs> if you're asking me to do something, I never do it. So if someone tells me to shut up, I'm not going to shut no, up. No, no. So, you know, so it's a very apt name. And, um, you know, in that, I, I talk about so many different things and so many, you know, I reckon this time around for, like, just the fact that the reconnection of having freedom is probably one of the highlights of my career. The fact that I can go and I can be the party and leave yeah. the party. Yeah. And not go home and think that I'm still the party. Absolutely. That's the difference. Yeah. And, you know, I really, really, really learned just to enjoy what I do and just to reconnect with music. Music's the best drug in the world. It really is. Mm. And you don't let anyone ever tell you any different, mm. ever. Uh, you know, yeah, so for highlights, just there's so many. So well, what's many. the What's the best party you've ever been to? That's the worst question I've ever been asked. You know why? I can't answer it. Because they're all, they're all as I said, the party <laughs> last Sunday was amazing. Doing Donatella Versace, DJing for Donatella loads and loads of times that I have. Always amazing. British Vogue, always amazing. Yeah. So many. How could you, so how many. Could you choose one? It's kind of like when people say to my dad, what's your favourite photograph? Yeah, you, you how can't. Could he, how could he choose that? You can't do that. It just yeah. goes on and on and on. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, uh, you know I, I, I kind of think recent years, I loved the Serpentine Chanel party where they put me in a, in a big red cube rotating. Yeah. I thought, oh, God, this is, this is pretty amazing. Even though I was getting bitten by gnats and whatever else was going on. It was insane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just the, the production-wise of revolving around in the centre of Hyde Park, like that was pretty pretty spectacular. I think there's been a few things where I did one gig in Mykonos where we flew by helicopter, me and Kate, and, and DJed on the roof of the opening of Manos, their boutique, their my, shopping I think, didn't, I think my dad shot that. Yeah, he did, yeah. Wasn't it's Gigi about, Hadid there? And, yeah, Gigi, uh, yeah, Gigi, yeah, 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 yeah. And Bella, yeah. All of us were all there together, yeah. Um, so that was pretty special. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been so... There's just so many of them. Do you know what I mean? And I think, like, obviously, you know, we're both... You know, both of our industries obviously intertwine at times. You know, as someone who's obviously been in it a lot longer than I have, how would you say that the industry has changed over the years? Because I ask this to a lot of people who who are in the industry 
And, you know, in terms of the fact that, like, you're at these incredible parties, you know, with incredibly well-known, successful, exciting people. But I think with the rise of, like, social media and phones and things, things have become a lot more insular and perhaps not as outwardly wild as they used to be. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. I kind of think, you know, the thing is, the majority of people at that party aren't at the party. They're at the next party or they're wondering what someone else is doing. So they're watching Instagram. So they're not in it. You know, in the 80s and 90s when we, you know, mobile phones weren't around, social media certainly wasn't around. People were in the moment. They were in the moment. People are no longer in the moment. You know, they're in the next moment. And that's what it is. It's, you know, they're forever chasing what's going on on someone else's feed. You know, just be in the moment. Put that down for 10 minutes. Enjoy where you're at. You know, parties. I just want parties to get back to being parties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I'm so desperate for it. But I just, I'm really on the edge about whether I think it's going to go back to what it was or if it's, if we've all been. Listen, things will go back to what they were to a certain extent, right? But, you know, it's like nature. Things grow, they become beautiful, they become really big, and then they die. And it takes something like this for those big things to die, and then what happens is little underground things will start Mm. to grow. Things of beauty, little things, little weeds will come and turn into beautiful flowers, Mm. and they'll be like, wow, where did that come from? Mm. That's what I really hope is going to happen. I really hope that's going to happen. I really hope that people are going to see that the last almost two years have not been wasted in the sense that we needed a clear out in so many ways. It could have been done in a better way, but it, it was done this way. But, you know, it, let's hope, you know, hope turns into belief. Absolutely. That's what Absolutely. Back to the food for a bit. Obviously, you've mentioned that you've cut out sugar. Good luck. Um, what is your relationship with food like nowadays? Is it pretty oh. healthy, you know... It goes from being really healthy to being really unhealthy. Like, you know, if I'm left to my, my own devices, I will eat out every night of the week and I will have food delivered every night of the week. You know, I don't like messing the kitchen, so that's my excuse. You know, um, when, I, when I've been with David, my partner, he would cook. He always cooks, fit, you know, really, really well. He's, he's an amazing chef. Uh, he, he makes sure that we eat really well. But when he's not here, then it's like, okay, Deliveroo, Wagamama, you know, and off I'm running. Yeah. You know, before I know it, I'm, I I can't stop, and then I go to the shop and all buy biscuits and oh. And so, so do you, so do you cook at all? No. Do no. you know how to cook? No, uh, no. Do you want to learn how to cook? I think I should do. Yeah. <laughs> I really think I do. You know, I went and bought tuna steaks yesterday, and. and uh, and David hasn't been here, and there, uh, there was salad. So I thought, I'll tune that and salad. And I thought, oh no, how do I cook them? Like, I'm not stupid. I can fry them. I know that. Yeah. All, you know, I know all of that. Yeah. But I, I want things to taste great, and I don't want to disappoint myself. So I had, you know, my dog has chicken breast for dinner every day. Like, so I had a chicken breast and salad. I'd run over chicken breast because it was easier. But you know what? It, it, it's all right. You know, I'm not eating yeah. crap again. Do you get what I mean? Do you know what? I think it's it's that starting point, to be honest. Like, my husband, I know he can cook, 
but it's the it's the getting the flavor and because I mean, listen, I think I'm a, I think I'm a good cook. I'm not the best cook, but because I know so much about flavor, I'm kind of like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to become like the primary cook in this house. So yeah. I need to give him the time and the, and the, give him the days to go and practice because if he's not going to start cooking, he's never going to learn about what goes with what, like you were looking at those tuna steaks and you were like, oh fuck, how am I going to make that tasty? You might know how to cook it, but you're like, yeah. what shall I put with it? Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Yeah, I probably would. I, I probably would like to learn how to cook, but do I have the the capacity to stand still and watch it and, and learn? No. Do you, I mean, I can read a book and like not yeah. tell, get to the end of it and tell you not yeah. not about. Do you know what I mean? I can no, watch I things, and you know, and I can get to the end of the series and <laughs> not have a clue what happened. Do you know what I mean? I have to say, when I talk to certain people, I say, you know what? When it comes to f- cooking. Like if it's not made with love, like there's just no point. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Just go back to the delivery yeah. and have a sodding like wagamama and be happy with it. You know. No, I've got, you know, I live in Pimlico. I've got loads of amazing yeah. restaurants around here. I have A Wong down the road, which is like double Michelin starred Chinese. I'm and desperate to go there. Go, it's insane. Really, which actually brings me very nicely onto my next question: Is where are some of your favourite restaurants? So A Wong, definitely. Uh, it's incredible. It, you know, to say it's double Michelin starred, but don't let that sound too, too like, put you off. Yeah. It's, it, it's incredible Chinese cuisine. It, it, it's mind-blowing. It's mm-hmm. mind-blowing and it forever evolves. I go all the time. Oh, Obviously, it's but, like, I go uh, and we have the same stuff, but he evolves it. He changes everything. It's mm-hmm. always getting better. And you're like, oh, my God, how could you? you improve that how can you improve perfection and something mm. does so a1 is really really up there also there's a little italian in it in pimlico called Olsamio, and it's on the corner of of uh belgrave road and churn street it's amazing it's like proper italian run by italians it all you know and they're such lovely people and the food's incredible Food is in, absolutely incredible. You know, I always go to the deli at the end of my street as well, which is um, quite a famous deli on Lupus Street on the corner. Uh, just incredible food. But yet again, you know, le- seriously good food. I love good food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you appreciate it as well. And I think that's what's really important, right? Totally. 100%. You know, there's, you know, it's, Yeah. It's just the best thing in the world, isn't it? When you sit so down. Would, so, like, obviously, now that you're not, now you're not eating the sugar. What would be a normal day in food for you now? So, you're starting with omelette. Omelette omelet or, or scrambled eggs and smoked salmon. Then at lunchtime, I'll have some berries and some cream. I can have cream with keto, so I'm pretty like I've been on that. I probably shouldn't be having clotted cream, but that we won't go there. We won't. That's all right for now. Um, and then in the evening, I'll ha- I'll, I'll have. I have a fish and vegetables, a salad, chicken and vegetables. You know, um, I'm very, very lucky in the sense that I can go to lots of different places to mm, eat. Do you mm. get what I mean? If it's a problem, I think, okay, I'm going to go there because I, you know, I've been having tuna capaccio at Soho House. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm obsessed by tuna capaccio all, all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're very lucky to be in London. I think the food in London is the best it's ever been, ever. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And, and you know, 
there's so, there's so many amazing places to go and eat. You know, mm. there's an amazing, amazing little Polish um, Polish uh, restaurant in Shepherd's Market. Tiny little thing on the corner, and they do the most amazing borscht and dumplings. Oh wow! Mind blowing. Really? Yeah. It, okay. It's it's Polish Russian restaurant. Yeah. And it's 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 tiny. Seats about six people. Love it. Love and that. Been there for like so many years, and the, like the dumplings with the borscht and the, the sour cream, insane, insane. Okay. I mean, what's it called? Um, the dumplings are called. Uh, it begins with a B. Instant, okay. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. Nice to know. Okay, I finished my conversations with a few quick fire questions. Oh. So, my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What mm. is your favourite flavour of crisps and why? Oh, pickled onion monster munch. <gasps> Mine too! <laughs> or nice and spicy knickknacks. Oh, old school. Or bovril crisps. They don't what do them they? I love bovril crisps. They were amazing. What are bovril crisps? You know, bovril's like Marmite. Yeah. They bring them back every so often. Walkers used to do them. Ooh. Incredible flavour. You know, I love them. I, I'm quite partial to the new KFC crisps. Oh, yeah, I tried those the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. Mm. You know, they're right. I can't believe you said pickled on your Monster Munch. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because they're my favourite crisps of all time. I, I, and I, I, I get pickled onion. I like beef. Yeah. I'm partial to a beef I, one as well, yeah. I quite like the flaming hot ones as well. To be honest, yeah, so I like Munster Munch. Yeah, I like anything that burns my tongue. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, then in that case, I'll tell you what's quite good. Discos literally like rip the skin oh my off God. your tongue. Totally, sort of vinegar discos <laughs> used to be my favourite. My dad, see, but it's where uh, my dad used to be obsessed by crisps. So he would have matted packets of crisps and he'd go, go and get me three bags of discos. So I'd go and get discos. No and, way. Uh, cheese and onion discos and sort of vinegar discos. Surely you need an asbestos mouth to eat a packet. I mean, c- literally. Insane. I get ulcers, everything. It's like... Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? Oh, that's brilliant. Okay. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? The craziest food I've ever eaten would probably be... Bat, believe it or not, when I was in Thailand. Yeah. Bloody hell. What was that like? Like chicken. Okay. Yeah, it's just like chicken. Uh, like very little, like spindly little bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't something that I went out to do, but yeah. No. Uh, when in Thailand, when in Thailand, I guess. You know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it for crazy. I mean, I, you know, I'll try anything as long as mm. it's an eyeball or something like that. No, yeah. Fair enough. What has been your most memorable meal? Oh, without doubt, it has to be A1, without doubt, because I talk about it all the time. Okay. You know, just that they're everything. I didn't taste the China menu in the middle of lockdown when we were only allowed to have, there was only six tables. Yeah. And we were outside, and I did the three-hour taste of China menu. Like, you know, the thought of sitting down for three hours is is beyond me because my ADHD kicks in, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Right, Literally. okay, I'm getting myself there, I'm getting if myself there. If you can there. afford it and you can yeah. get to the point where you, you, you want to go, go and enjoy it. Mm. It's insane. Okay. What food sums up happiness for you? Fish fingers and chips. Double egg and chips. 
Always. And then on the other end of the spectrum, sashimi. Okay. Love. Love. Love Love it. I could eat it all day long with with wasabi. I just love it. So different ends of the spectrum with that. Do you know what I mean? Comfort food-wise, fish fingers and chips, you know, loads of vinegar. I love a fish finger. So do I. They're amazing. That's Uh, so good. so that, you know, that kind of side of the spectrum. And then on the other side, it's always, you know, it's got to be sushi or yeah. Japanese. Love a bit of miso aubergine and stuff like that. I'm just like obsessed by that stuff. Love that stuff. Yeah. Where's, where, where do you like to eat sushi in London? Well, you know what? The, believe it or not, the supermarket of dreams in Notting Hill and the fish shop, they do <laughs> the best sushi. You know, they make yeah. the best sushi and they deliver yeah. it. So you can have it at home. And also, if you want it, you just call them and they make you fresh. Just, stuff. Yeah. They're so good. And they really are. You know, um, it's a great place to get fresh sushi from. There we go. I can't right. eat in supermarkets or anything like that. No, That's no. That's fake. Right. Yeah. Final question. Live to eat or eat to live? Oh, um, eat to live, definitely. You know, I don't live to eat because... As I say, I'm struggling with food again. So I go through phases of both of those things. Right now, I'm eating to live. Yeah. Not living to eat. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. You've got to do what you need to do. Yeah, of course. But as I say, I have my moments and I, I, you know, I will go there in a, you know, like in a flash. Tony, you've been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Now, for all of you lot who are living under a rock and do not follow, Fat Tony on Instagram. Um, please, <laughs> please do. It's at DJ underscore Fat Tony underscore. His memes are rocking my world and the rest of his 230,000 followers or whatever it is at, at the moment. Coming up to close to a quarter of a million, thanks. Yes, it is. You know, it's and they're, you know, it's, let's say my memes. They're not my memes. They're everyone's memes. No, but listen. That's what, that's what memes are about. You know, people go, oh, that's not your meme you posted. It's Instagram. That's how Instagram works. Yes. We Qu- re- last question, actually. Yes. What, um, how many complaints do you get a day? I don't. I get, you know, the, I get the opposite of complaints now. I get people bringing me, messaging me for help. Because I, I, really? like, I, I'm very open about helping people or whatever. And yeah. so, and I'm very open about addiction. So people message me all the time with their problems and I answer every DM. I, I don't you. you know, I, I get asked, oh, do you is, it, do you, is it you doing them? Or you've got someone else posting it. I post everything and I, post I, everything. I reply to everyone as well. Because you know what? So you're taking the time out yeah. to message me. I'm, I'm going re- to reply because that's the type of guy I am today. I really respect that. I really do. Well, I just respect other people. And no, of course. Message, and I've got the balls to message me about something really, really personal. And I can help them. I will. Yeah. Yeah. Big love. Well, Tony, thank you. You've been an absolute pleasure. And I cannot wait to be dancing on a dance floor near you very, very soon. <laughs> very, very soon. Until next time, guys. Bye. Big love. See you later. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time. Bye.